Welcome to Musically Speaking, the podcast with your hosts, Lewis and Pedro, where we discuss all things music, the business of music, and making your mark as an independent artist. We're glad you're here. So let's get this show started. Welcome to episode number five of Musically Speaking, the podcast. My name is Lewis. And my name is Pedro. Great. How is everything, my friend? How was your week? Everything is good. Moving right along. It is, you know, winter time. You know, as, as always here in New York, now we're starting to get into what is winter storms and all this wonderful uh, wintry-like uh, catastrophes, as you will. Oh, that sounds nice. Sounds nice, warm and fuzzy. And uh, how uh, how is life in Sunny old Florida. I heard it. I heard it got out of that cold a little bit over there. <laughs> yeah, it did. Well, you know, cold for us is, uh, you know, 30s and 40s, and you know, we're we're losing it at that point. It's been pretty cold. So when you have your heater on in Florida, then you know it's cold. But we are looking towards 80 degree weekend coming up, so we're kind of excited about that. So it's been cool, brother. It's been cool. Speaking of cool. We wanted to talk about something that has been shifting greatly within the last, I would say, few years. And I think we have to thank Apple Music for that, which is the whole streaming phenomenon. I think Amazon's in the game too, right? Amazon is there. Tidal is also involved. And even YouTube to a certain extent. Yeah, that's right. And Pandora as well. Pandora. So, you know, all of these services basically have done something that we thought would never be possible. I remember when iPod was a big deal where you could have 10,000 songs in your pocket or whatever it was. Yeah. And, and, and people were losing their minds. But now you take anything that's out there under the sun and, and making it available to you in, in a way that I, I never thought was even imaginable. Uh, but th- there's always a caveat to something like that. And, and on on your end as as an artist and somebody who's produced music, put out music, now you have this streaming piece that makes it so easy for someone to just kind of click a button and play the music, but not necessarily have the experience of going to the store or making that purchase or waiting for a song to come out. They can kind of just play as they go or dismiss it just as quickly. Right. And, and if you think about it, you know, back in the days when, like you mentioned, you know, you had an iPod and you purchased music or you added your MP3 library to your iPod, you know, that was mostly filled with commercial available songs from major artists, you know, from labels. Now, you know, Apple Music and and all the streaming uh, platforms not only have all that music, but a bunch of indie music. Artists who are, you know, working in their garage or working in their bedroom studios and, and decided that they thought they're ready to put out a single, whether, you know, whether it's ready or not. So the streaming world is just full of music, good and bad. And I, th- I think that's that's one of the struggles that we all deal with as listeners. How do you get through all the noise and find the good stuff? Because there's so much good stuff out there. Yeah, and, and I think that that has been something that has really preoccupied me as someone who really enjoys music is there's just so much going on that so much kind of falls through the cracks. Right. And you, you, don't, you don't know what's good, what's not good, or, or what you like. It's, it's, there's so much to kind of filter. But 
also there's been you know just like anything out there once you figure out how something operates there's going to be ways to kind of game the system and streaming has been something that specifically for artists who have the capacity to put together large amounts of volume right. have been able to kind of game the system and create uh, a place where they have every single song on the Billboard 100, you know, when that was almost impossible at one point. Right, right. And, and, we, and we're talking about those albums that have 15, 20, 25 cuts on them so that they can, you know, you're going to get folks who are going to stream every song just to hear what, what the album is like. And those count towards towards the numbers, and sometimes they skew them, and that, that's what you're referencing, right? Yeah. So I, I think the first album that really caught my attention to something like this was uh, Amigos, which I mentioned multiple times, and Drake. Right. You know, when when Scorpion came out, I think every single song on that album was on the Billboard 100 that's at one crazy. point, and that was because. Everybody, you know, as long as you hear a song, I think it's like for at least a minute or something right, like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know yeah, the numbers. A minute. Correct. It counts. It counts as a stream. And I'm the kind of person that I need to listen to a good amount of that song before I decide, mm, I don't know. And, and that was, but the problem with something like that is somebody who worked very hard to put out a particular song as a single and build upon that, like you did maybe traditionally, could get lost. Because somebody's kind of, you know, stacking the deck. And the, the other part to it is, is, and this was something that I'm starting to notice more, is that the more streams an album can get, the more it counts towards a physical purchase of a copy, like kind of like an equivalent. And Billboard has some sort of algorithm because they noticed that that's what many people were doing to consume an album they weren't purchasing a physical copy but they were streaming the music and what was interesting is just recently one of the albums that was number one on the billboard charts happened to have no physical copies purchased and about 84 million streams that's crazy which uh, which which made it very hard to you know determine that in essence it was almost like if somebody bought three thousand copies of the song or something like right, that. Right, But you know I don't think the industry uh, in terms of accolades, awards, recognizing streaming, I don't think they've created categories yet for that. I don't think the industry has kind of tapped into to that side of it. I think they're still specifically tracking sales and plays in terms of radio play, but I don't think they're tracking streams at this point, unless you, you know, otherwise have you heard something different? Yeah. I mean, their streams are getting tracked in some sort of way to account for what is considered a purchase or uh, charting on the billboard charts, but it's something that is very fluid. They're kind of always tweaking it, messing around with it. And basically uh, the big record labels or those artists who are in the know, are finding out how they can kind of work on that. Now, it doesn't always work. There have been several projects that came out in 2018 that were based on that formula. You put out a huge album, more than 12 tracks, hoping that everybody is like, oh, this is a new project. They would stream every song and then you would chart, but it didn't happen. And and now you, is that a bigger bomb than, say, somebody who puts out an EP 
that only has one hit song. So, you know, it's tricky because you have, uh, like we mentioned in, in a couple of podcasts prior, uh, Khalid had a wonderful EP, only had about seven or eight songs, and one was still charting. Yep, absolutely. Is that considered a hit? What's considered, you know, so there's, there's still that conversation that is very fluid. And I think it's good for music because there's no tried and true formula, which everybody knew from the test of time. This is what you did. This is how it works. Right, exactly. And I think we mentioned that before, you know, you kind of, you know, their artists and labels are kind of, you know, throw something against the wall and see what sticks. This kind of segues into, well, you know, how do people consume music? I mean, are, are artists gearing their projects towards more content for a better streaming opportunity? Or are they leaning more towards albums now away from singles? Because at as, as some point, I would say in the last past two or three years, the talk of the town was, you know, it's a singles game. This is a singles market. You know, people are not buying albums anymore. They're not buying EPs. They're just buying singles. So just work on putting out singles. But that doesn't seem to be what the trend is right now. You know, I, I see just the other day, you know, I jumped on Apple Music just to see what, like I normally do, to see what's, what new albums are out or, or new music is out. And they're just a ton of... Not only independent artists, but a lot of the major artists are just releasing albums, you know, with 12, 13, 15 tracks. And it just seems that that trend is going away from singles. When, what, what have you seen? You know, what I think I've noticed is that artists are putting out music that maybe in the past they would have put to the side. And I think what I mean by that is there was a time where an artist, for example, like Prince or Michael Jackson would record 50 songs and they would pick 12 that they liked to release an album. And it would take him years to put that together. Now, an artist is saying, look, man, if I just stay on top of it and I release all of these songs, they're still talking about me. Right. Content is king. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't want to get you don't want to get lost, and I don't know if that dilutes things or makes things better because I know that in in my opinion, if I really liked an artist, I loved everything, including the B side stuff. Sometimes I even found that better. Look, I, I remember many times where I used to buy, and I'm, we're talking, you know, '90s and and 2000s, when I used to go buy, you know, a Boys to Men album. I would not just listen to, you know, the current single on the radio, but I love to listen to everything else and find my own gems and find all songs that I like that are not necessarily being played commercially. And, you know, and I, you know, I, as a listener, I miss, I miss that. And, and that's why I welcome, and, and I'm kind of excited to, to hear albums, you know, to hear, to hear, you know, artists kind of go back to the whole art of putting together an album a whole storyline from doing intros and outros and interludes, you know, that kind of brings the, 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 the mystique back to the album. And, you know, it, it just seems from, from an artist's perspective, it just seems exciting that that's being something that's being celebrated again. It, at least it feels that way. You know, I'm seeing all these artists releasing so many albums. It kind of feels that way. I wasn't too excited about the singles game because the singles game is really, you know, you, you put it out, hope that it, it hits and if it doesn't, then, you know, you go back and release your next single. But at least with an album, it gives you more of a chance to really, uh, you know, put a stamp and a mark on your on your artistry. Yeah, it, it seems like right now the the music game, if you want to call it that, is trying 
all kinds of things to see what is is the standard just like the internet where it has evolved so quickly within the last i would say seven years there's there's no shortage of what you can do within the music business i mean like you said it started with okay maybe we should just put out singles and see what works and now we're having these huge album projects we having people just putting out everything it's like i record 16 songs in a studio they're all gonna get released <laughs> yep. that, you know you i'm also seeing an interesting trend that i actually enjoy which is uh remixes and and, and seeing uh, remixes being embraced a little bit more you know somebody puts out a single and instead of saying okay i'm gonna put out a whole album let's put out this single but have a bunch of people remix this yeah, track yeah like an ep it, it turns out to be an ep you know, five or six songs but are remixes of the original yeah absolutely and I like that because some of my favorite songs are not originals at all. They were remixes that were, in many cases, unauthorized. You right. know, and, and Someone gets a hold of your but, acapella and uh, DJ Smo out in uh, Timbuktu does a remix to your song. Not necessarily good, but it's done. Yeah, and, and I, like, I like these authorized remixes. These I, I'm going to entrust my work with the stems and the proper acapellas and the pitches to people that I really trust to give a new life to this song. I, I think that that's something that I, I really enjoy seeing, and especially in the uh, dance community where there's so many different types of variations of, of, of dance. It's a great thing to see. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I enjoy that as well. I mean, and one of the things that I kind of wanted to talk to you about was, you know, in, in terms of an artist putting out their music and looking for, you know, support. I, I want to kind of talk about the word support and what does it mean to you to support an artist that you like or a song that you like? Is it purchasing their music on iTunes? Is it streaming their song as part of your subscription? Is it something else? And then also talk about, you know, what that looks like from the fan perspective and then kind of talk about what it looks like from the artist perspective. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're going to be able to really touch upon how, to, how that looks like as an artist because you've obviously performed and you've put out music, you know, as a fan. Support used to be, I'm going to go back to what it used to be. Support used to be, if I put out a record, you're going to buy my record. If I put out an album, you're going to buy my album. If I'm touring in your town, you're going to you're going to go check me out. Right? Very simple. Now it's a little more fluid. You know, support could be something as easy as hey, I'm going to stream live as an artist and you're going to check out my stream. You know, it could be something like you're going to download my MP3 or you have way ton. You got a ton of followers. Can you tell people about my music or you live in a town that I'm coming to? Tell people that I'm going to do my show. You don't necessarily have to spend money and make that an, an you know, it's not an exchange anymore in terms of support, which I really, really like. And one of the reasons for that is that you have more value as a fan now. And that means that the artist has to really respect that value. You know, if that means that, you know, if you know your audience very well and you know that my audience always likes to know what I'm up to, 
they are supporting you by checking out your videos not necessarily always purchasing because you know what it in the end it will translate to a purchase and that's kind of what i'm seeing i really like that trend i mean obviously as someone who is a an, an edm kind of connoisseur and i have my own show that's how i support a lot of the artists they tell me hey i got this song coming out can i talk about it sure I got this track. What do you think? And I tell them the truth. Oh, I don't know if people are going to like that. Let's play it and see. That is also support on that angle. Um, so I think that it's really turned the tide on what a, a supporter can be. There's many levels to it. Um, but in all honesty, at the end of the day, artists need to eat. They're doing this not because they just love it as well, but they want to make money out of it. And, and then spending money is key. But there's a little more cultivation that now needs to happen between artist and fan. I mean, and you as an artist, what have you seen? What does support look like to you and, and how do you define it? Well, just to piggyback on the intent of an artist when they're creating music for consumption, right? There's, there's a cost to that. There's studio costs, there's mixing, mastering, promotional costs, there's marketing costs. There are things that an artist needs to spend in order to get good product out so that it can be supported, right? So I think the struggle that a lot of artists, and I'll speak for myself, is how do you balance that, right? Are you, look at it as an ROI, return on investment. So if you spend six, $700 on a song at the very minimum, you know, you would like to break even to be able to go back to the drawing board and create the next project. But you know, it, it depends on the industry that you're in. It depends on what type, who your audience is. Not every audience is purchasers. You know, there are a lot of audience who do a lot of you know, online support who there are DJs who are Facebook DJs and, and that's how they, they promote your music. There are folks who don't necessarily, you know, purchase music on iTunes. Maybe they're just streamers. Maybe they have subscriptions to Apple Music and Spotify and that's how they consume their music. So you got to figure out as an artist, who is your audience? And once you figure that out, then you can set some expectations on uh, on the financial support that you're seeking. But like you said, you know, promotional support, marketing support at, at, at the end of the day, you know, will result in those sales. So if you're not getting a direct sale from someone who's a supporter, but they're retweeting your tweets or they're sharing your Facebook post, you know, ultimately, you know, down the line, you hope at least that that will result in a sale. So, you know, a lot of it, again, is, is knowing your audience and, and setting reasonable expectations, deciding how you're going to release music based on that, you know. So so that's what it comes down to for me uh, from the artist's perspective. In the end, support is something that everybody needs, whether it's support, supporting music, supporting, uh, you know, something you feel deeply about, a particular topic or an organization. But it's all, it's all that's how we all come together and feel like we're part of something. I mean, that's what I, when I started really getting into music, that's what made me feel good. And I was supporting a group of people that liked just what I like. So for me, I'm curious to know what our listeners think. You know, how do you, how do you support your favorite artists? How do you support the music that you love? Is it by going out there making a purchase is it checking out a concert is it retweeting or following you know them on social media and letting people know hey check this out i mean there's there's rabid fans out there that they're 24 7 just 
on top of whatever it is that their favorite you know musicians are doing so i'm curious to see what our listeners think and and how they uh, not just consume their music but how they support the music uh, check us out musically speaking podcast.com is the site and we should have a poll up or put something up there and we encourage you to comment on the show notes all right well thank you for listening in and we'll catch you on the next one all right thank you for tuning in to musically speaking with your hosts lewis and pedro be sure to visit musicallyspeakingpodcast.com for show notes past episodes and our blog please subscribe like or share with a friend till next time